This is the City Church Podcast. You are listening to a weekend service from our church in Bartlesville. As we open up our Bible today, we pray this message challenges you and inspires you and is the right word at just the right time in your life. Enjoy the message. Hey, we're continuing our series uh, Beneath the Surface, and over uh, the last few weeks and then the next few weeks, we are going to continue to kind of journey beneath the surface, get under the waterline, and what that means is we're going to allow the Lord uh, to kind of look at what's going, what's really going on uh, in our lives. And as we have the courage to do that, trust me when I say this, God is so good, so kind, so compassionate that he's going to bring some newfound freedom into those areas of our life. Last week, Pastor Jamie did a great job uh, as we kind of picked up the topic of pride and he dealt with that. Today, we're going to look at procrastination. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Uh, and I want to say right out of the gate here, uh, Paul said this. He said, I'm the chief of sinners. Uh, I, I can be the chief of procrastinators. So I'm not preaching down at you uh, today. I can also be extremely busy, extremely hardworking. Uh, but sometimes even in the busyness, I'm procrastinating those things that I know God has really asked me to do. Uh, so I think you're going to get a lot out of today's message. Uh, one of the things that we did when we launched this series just a few weeks ago is we talked about some goals. And some of the goals that we mentioned, I just want to kind of revive those and keep those fresh in our hearts, that we're going to be humble, we're going to be honest, and we're going to be hungry for some change. And, and also along with that, um, we're going to refuse to get defensive. And we're going to refuse to put up walls. Today you might hear a verse or you might hear a thought, and your first immediate uh, a reaction might be to stiff arm that verse, to kind of stiff, you can't stiff arm Jesus, it doesn't work. You can't stiff arm the word of God. Let's, let's be humble and let's, let's not get defensive and let's not put our walls up. And then, you know, the reality is that we are going to pattern our lives after God's word. We're going to follow Jesus with passion and we're going to become just like him. And I would say this, aren't you thankful that Jesus didn't procrastinate? Think about that. Aren't you glad he didn't go, well, Lord, I'll get to the cross at some point. You know, ah, it seems pretty tough. I'm not sure. No. What did he do? He surrendered and submitted to God's will and thank God for that. And then uh, another goal that we mentioned was that we would look back, like in a few weeks from now, in 30 days from now, my hope would be that you would look back on what God did today in your life with gratitude and with a thankful heart to say, Lord, you are so good and, and in that newfound freedom and that restored joy, we would have a lot to be grateful, a lot to be thankful for. Let me open with a few scriptures, and then I want to pray with you. Lamentations 3.40 says, let's take a good look at the way we're living and reorder our lives under God. Reorder our lives under God. The enemy is always trying to pull us into chaos. He's always trying to pull us into disorder. And God is always trying to bring order, peace, and, and, and joy into our lives. And so we need to submit to that and work with God in that and let's reorder our lives. If there's some things that are out of order in our life, this is the series, this is the moment to get those right. Jesus said in Luke 9, no procrastination, this is from a paraphrase, no procrastination, no backward looks. You can't put God's kingdom off till tomorrow. Seize the day. I love that. Jesus says, listen, my kingdom is here. It is moving. I'm here. 
I'm moving, follow me, no procrastination. And then Paul, writing to Christians just like you and me, he said, these are evil times. Man, look at the world today. We're living in some dark times. Now, we're not to get fearful about that. We're not to get weirded out about that. We're not to shrink back because of that. But we sure should be aware of that, that we're living in some very dark, evil times. And what does Paul tell us as believers? So make every minute count. One translation says, redeem the time. Buy back the time. Look for every opportunity to do the right thing, to do the God thing. Then all throughout the Psalms, Psalms 119 talks about how short life is. The psalmist says, I'm here on earth for just a little time. Psalms 39, the prayer is, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. My life is fleeting. It's passing away. My days are numbered. The Bible gives metaphor after metaphor after metaphor about our life. It calls our life like a shadow, like a puff of smoke, like a fog, or like a mist. And so we are here on this earth, and it's one time, it's one life. We make our life count. Now, let me just be very clear. This isn't a message trying to encourage you to clean your garage (laughs) or kids to straighten up your closet or straighten up your room. This is a message spiritually impacting that spirit of procrastination that is causing us not to fulfill God's call on our life, not to put his purposes above the plans that we've come up with. It's about doing what God wants us to do. Now, if the garage gets clean and the closet gets straightened as a result of some of this, that's great, but it is a spiritual message. This isn't a practical message on procrastination. It is a biblical, spiritually empowered message on procrastination. Here's a great thought, and then let's pray this out. 2 Corinthians 3.17. Wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, souls are set free. I don't know about you, but I could use some more freedom in my life. And I have a feeling some of you could as well. Would you bow and let's pray? Lord, thank you so much that as we journey beneath the waterline, Lord, we just open up our hearts, our souls to you. We're anticipating you to reveal anything, Lord, that's maybe holding us back, limiting our lives, paralyzing our potential. And we just want to submit that to you humbly and honestly. And we are hungry for more of you. We are hungry for change. Lord, we're not going to resist you. We're not going to get defensive. We're not going to put up walls. But we say, Lord, speak to us by your spirit. Speak to us by your word. And Lord, we thank you that you're going to reorder our lives under your sovereign, loving hand. And Lord, we just bind the enemy and we thank you that he has no place in any of our lives. Uh, Satan, you are defeated. Jesus has already won the battle and he has won Uh, for eternity. And Lord, we just stand in that victory today. We thank you that you're going to help everyone with what they need today so that we can look out at this world and redeem the time. We can look out at this world and Lord, we can make every single minute count with our lives, all for your honor, all for your glory. And everybody said, hey, let's jump into it. Let's start with the causes, the causes of procrastination. These won't be new to you. You already know them, but let's go over them. First one is indecision. We can't decide what to do. We're double-minded. We put that thing off. How many of you know you hear a a noise in your car or your truck? Uh, That noise is not going to go away, is it? Uh, And if you just wait and you wait and you wait, and then pretty soon what would have been a minor repair is now a major repair. Some people uh, put off doctor's appointments, uh, and, and they kick them down the road. 
There's a reason why we have an annual checkup. There's a reason why we need to go in and let the doctor look under the hood, so to speak, uh, to see what's really going on in there. There's a reason why each year, uh, you know, the doctors say, get your blood work done. Let's look at really what's going, literally what's pumping through your veins, what is going on uh, with your life. And, and, and small health issues can be uh, quickly identified. Or if there is a negative uh, diagnosis, at least we can have the faith to believe God for it and not be in the dark uh, about it. But even this week, Mary and I are back in school. We're working towards a master's uh, uh, degree in a program, and it's been great. It's been good. But I completely procrastinated a paper that was due on Friday by midnight. I'm proud to tell you I got it in by midnight. That's all I can say. I'll say there were minutes to spare. Minutes to spare. Awesome. Uh, but we procrastinate uh, things because we're indecisive. Things get worse, not better. Here's the next one, perfectionism. That we wait for the perfect condition to get things, get things done. Can I just share with you, life rarely, if ever, prevents, presents you and me with perfect conditions. Life is actually learning to live by God's grace in the midst of very imperfect conditions. And so we can't just wait. And, and procrastination is fueled by perfectionism. Um, the, that perfect moment is never going to come. You know, when things get just right, I'll start tithing, Lord. When things get just right, I'll uh, start serving and using my gifts. When things get just right, honey, I'll spend more time with the kids. Honey, when things just get right, I'll finally take you on a date night. The, the reality is ne it's never just right. You've got to make those things happen. I've got bad news. Things are not going to settle down. They're incredibly busy. Life has speeded up. Life is more complicated because of the speed of life and the speed of technology. You know, if you think life's going to settle down, it's not going to settle down. We've got to figure out how to live with no perfect conditions that's, that's the reality, and we've got to get free from perfectionism. Here's the next one, fear, anxiety, anxious thoughts about the future. When I'm anxious, when you're anxious, when we're afraid, we put things off. Think about the dentist. If you've ever heard that drill, anybody? Cavities, you know what I'm talking about. I've had a few. I hate the sound of that drill. No offense to any dentist here or or dental hygienist here, but that, that noise of that drill, there's something demonic about that. <laughs> there's something demonic about cavities. Satan is a decayer. I don't know what it is, but the, the, and then it's not just the sound of the drill, it's the smell. You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. But we put off the dentist because of fear. We procrastinate, and we kick it down the road, and the cavity gets bigger. The problem increases. How about the fear of sharing Christ with someone that you know is far from God? And I'm not condemning you. We all go through this. I go through that. I deal with that every single week of, Lord, why am I fearful? Why am I procrastinating sharing your good news with them? Whatever it may be, it's the fear that holds us back. The fear of man is a trap. We get trapped in procrastination. And then anger. Anger causes procrastination. Um, it hit me this week 
um, there's a person, they're no longer in the church, and, and nice, nice person, but just never would return a phone call, a, a voicemail, an email, to the point where I just said, I'm, just, I'm not going to email or call anymore. I don't want to be stalking somebody. And, and, um, and, you know, I'd run into them, oh, yeah, I meant to get to that, I meant to get to that. And, and it occurred to me that they are either angry at me or they just don't like me. Because procrastination is kind of a form of passive control to show anger. It's like when you ask a kid to clean their room. What happens? Well, if you have kids like my kids, procrastination happens. You might have the perfect children. God bless you. God bless you. But I was not the perfect child. You can ask my mom. I was not the perfect child. I didn't keep a clean room. I get it. But it's like they're saying to mom and dad, I'm angry at you for asking me to clean my room, so I'm going to procrastinate. Sorry, kids. I'm calling you out here. And, and anger is a form of procrastination. And, you know, or, or maybe you're here and, and, and your wife, guys, has asked you to do something and it's been a week now. Just keep looking straight ahead. It's been a couple of weeks. It's been a month or two. Maybe it was back in 1973. I don't know. But your procrastination is silent anger against her. And we need to get free from that. Thank you. Thanks for coming today. Um, so listen to this. And, you know, kids are great at procrastinating. I came across this cool little poem today, not, not today, this week, but it put a smile on my face. Let me share it with you. Procrastination is my sin. It only brings me sorrow. I know that I should give it up. In fact, I will tomorrow. Tomorrow. So the mindset that I've dealt with as a procrastinator, some of us are professor, professional procrastinators. This is our mindset. It's, I'll start early this time. Then a few days go by. And then we have the thought, I'll start soon. A couple more days go by. Oh boy, uh, I should have got started sooner. A couple more days. I think there's still time to do it. Finally, you're up against the wall. I've got to get this done. I can't wait any longer. I've got to do it. And then we finally arrive at the point of, well, next time maybe I'll start sooner. And that cycle goes over and over and over in the mind of a procrastinator. And then the last one is laziness, and this is the most obvious one. Um, lazy people want much but get little while the diligent are prospering. There's a guy in high school, he was a year younger than me, and I'm not, I'm not exaggerating this, true. This is not a preacher story, I promise you. He would run out of gas at least once a week. Now, gas back then, when I first started driving, was 59 cents a gallon. I know that makes me seem ancient. I am. I'm 54. But 59 cents a gallon. It turned to 79 cents. When it went over a dollar, I thought, they're just trying to rip us off. Anyway. Um, and so you just, you know, you didn't have much money in high school, and you'd go and you'd put a couple bucks in the tank. And, but he would run out all the time. And I, I remember me and other friends, we bailed him out as many times as we could. This happened for a couple of years. Well, it all changed. One Friday night, he was out. He had dropped some buddies off and he was coming home and he ran out of gas after midnight and he was walking through cutting through to try to find a gas station and three dudes jumped him mugged him took the two bucks I think he had for gas in his pocket and roughed him up a little bit how many of you know he never procrastinated again on getting gas and sometimes sometimes if you're like me if you're like my buddy sometimes it takes a painful experience 
to get us to change our ways. Let's, I'm not hoping for that, but I'm saying procrastination is going to lead to some pain in our lives if we don't get a grip on it. I had a speeding ticket in, in Southern California, and I remember this. It was $170. That was a lot of money now. That was a lot of money back then, way more money back then, 25 years ago. But guess what happened? I sat on it. I sat on it. I didn't pay. You had to go to the court to pay it. I just kept forgetting about it. I was trying to scrape the money together. It turned into a few months. I go to pay the ticket, and with late fines, I didn't have enough to pay it that day. With late fines, it was $814. You're shocked. I was, I was like, look at the ticket again. It's $170. No, you didn't. Late fee, late fee, late fee, late fee. That's what procrastination does. Let's look at the cost of procrastination real quick. It amplifies problems. We kind of already covered this. If you don't deal with it now, it's just going to grow. It also wastes opportunities. If you don't plow in the cold, you won't eat at harvest. And, and, and the opportunities are right in front of us right now. God always gives us opportunities, and he's expecting us to, to take advantage of those. So that what? So that there's provision there's provision down the road. It's interesting, I came across this scripture. It won't come on the board, but I wanted to share it with you. It's in 1 Kings chapter 22. And I'd read this chapter many, many different times. But I, this, this verse, I never really saw it until I was looking at it kind of through a, uh, the lens of a, a procrastinator. And listen to what it says. It says, King Jehoshaphat built a fleet of trading ships to go to a distant land to gather gold. Listen to this. But they never set sail... They were wrecked in the harbor. Think about that. The king builds these incredible ships, puts all the effort, all the work, all the strategy into them. They're sitting in the harbor, and a massive storm comes in, which also reminds us that we have an enemy that tries to fuel our procrastination. Come on, somebody. That we are in a spiritual battle and the enemy's trying to get us to stay silent. He's trying to get us to stay quiet. He's trying to get us to stay uh, uh, still so that we don't do anything for God. And here's this king that built these incredible ships, had a dream, and before the ships even get to uh, open water, they are wrecked. And some of us today are living here with broken dreams. And the reality is you could go back to a long list of decisions uh, not made, opportunities missed, procrastination that happened, and now you're facing shipwreck in an area of your life. Now, I've got good news. God can rebuild the ship. Come on. God can rebuild our lives. But when are we going to learn? What a tragedy that we never get to really go and fulfill our dream. I wonder how many of us are living so far below our God-given potential. And I don't know, I know in my life, I'm not trying to project that on anybody, but I know that there's, there's so much more he has, I believe, for us. This verse reminds us again that we have an enemy that wants to wreck and destroy our lives. And we can't be spiritual procrastinators. Here's another one, it hurts others. Procrastination hurts others. Laziness prevents us from being loving. Loving others is our highest call to love God, to love others. That is the two greatest commandments. It's our highest call. It's our greatest aim in life. 
But procrastination hurts other people. It's easier to be lazy than it is to be loving. All the married people there should have said amen. Remember one time, I wish it were one time, it was a few times, Mary has said to me, Scott, I may be low maintenance, but I'm not no maintenance. And that wrecked me. You laugh, but it wrecked me. And it was so true. I was treating her at that season of our life as just kind of like, no, no time. And did I love her? Of course I loved her, but I wasn't showing my love to her and meeting her where she needed to be met. It makes us unwilling to do the things that we've got to do in life that really count in life. How many marriages break up simply because of neglect, simply because of selfish procrastination? You know, so many times I, I, I meet people, both, of, both partners know exactly what, what needs to be done, but sometimes there's just not, many times there's just not a willingness to put the work in, to put the effort in. Mary and I say this all the time, honey, if we're working, we're winning. If we're working on this, we're going to win, and God's going to be glorified. Maybe if I wait, Pastor Scott, my marriage will get better. How's that working for you? No, maybe if you wait, your marriage just might die. It might just end. And I want to encourage you. We we hurt others with our procrastination. Let's move on to this, the cure for procrastination. Here's five quick things. Stop making excuses. That's a good place to start. Excuses always replace progress. Again, let's not get defensive as we're looking at scriptures today. Let's not stiff arm those verses and try to keep them at arm's length. Let's be humble. Let's be honest. Let's invite the Lord in to work. To work where the spirit of the Lord is, souls are set free. We need more of that freedom. Also, let's face our fears. I want to encourage you we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. Let me personalize it you can do all things through Christ who infuses inner strength into you. You are equal to anything and can overcome anything through Christ, the one who empowers you. Take that. And come up against procrastination. Come up against the enemy. He won't be able to stand. See, because God wants us to live a productive life. Not a busy life. Busyness is not the same as productivity. He wants us to live a productive life. We'll get to that in a minute. And then start today. Start today. Sean Patrick Flannery says, Do something today that your future self will thank you for. Lance Witt started that the first Sunday of the year when Lance, our special guest, was here speaking. And I thought it was just such a great quote. I think he even put it in his book. And then I ran across this. It won't come on the screen, but listen to it. Karen Lamb echoes this same thought. She says this, listen, a year from now, you will wish that you had started today. What is it a year from now that you wish would happen in your life? Well, guess what? It starts today. It starts right now. There's so many people in this church I'm so proud of that have have lost so much weight. I've been endeavoring to do that myself, and it's a battle. Trust me, you know, they call it the battle of the bulge. Oh, Lord. It is a crazy battle. But anyway, you know, the older you get, I, I think the harder it becomes because of metabolism, or maybe that's just an excuse. But there are so many people in the church. There are people in this church that have lost over 100 pounds. There are people in this church that have lost 80 pounds. 
There are people in this church that have been working so diligently. And I'm just saying, it doesn't matter what it may be. Maybe that's not your battle. Maybe that's not your thing. But, I, but, but when, you, when you think about a year from now, what do you wish was different in your life? It's not just going to happen. It's got to start today. And being a disciple means being a disciplined one, a follower of Jesus. So that just starts with one step. What is your one step that you could do today? Here's another one. Create a God-glorifying plan. Look at this verse with me. You can make many different plans, but only the Lord's plan will happen. Other translations say, many are the plans in a man's heart, but the Lord's purpose prevails. Some of us are sitting here today going, yeah, my, my life hasn't turned out the way I, I thought it would. My plans didn't really work out. Others of you are here today, and the Lord has kind of blown up your plans because they were your plans. <laughs> and what I would like to say is, whatever plans we make, we should hold on to those loosely, asking God for his purpose to kick in. Because once the Lord's purpose kicks in, hell will not be able to stop you. But if we're doing things on our own, and we're just running into the wall, and we're falling over our own plans, maybe it's time that we seek the Lord and say, Lord, what is your plan and purpose for my life? What is your plan and purpose for my marriage and for my family? Lord, where is it in my life where I'm, I'm missing you because there's just too much of me? Remember John the Baptist, he said, less of me, more of you, Jesus that my life may decrease so that your life may increase. Let's put that in our plans. Lord, let my plans shrink back. They're not that important. I want your plans to come to the forefront, take center stage. And then just focus on obedience. Focus on obedience. Look at Colossians 3.23. Don't just do the minimum that will get you by. Do your best. Work from the heart for your real master for God, confident that you'll get paid in full when you come into your inheritance. Keep in mind always that the ultimate master you're serving is Christ. The servant who does shoddy work will be held responsible. Being a follower of Jesus doesn't cover up bad work. Ouch. Wow. Focus on just obeying the Lord. That's not an old school, ancient thought. That's a today modern necessity. Jesus says, if you love me, obey me. If you love me, do what I say. Just simple obedience. And that'll break us out of procrastination. The Lord will be with us. He'll give us the grace to do what needs to be done. The catalyst, as we close, the catalyst for a productive life, it's really simple. I want you to get this today is to humbly, we need to humbly allow God to prune us. It's such an interesting word, prune. And nobody wants to be pruned. Back in the day, my dad, my brother and I, I remember first time I was probably in fifth or sixth grade, we grew up in Tulsa, and he would get out the tree lopper. And it was like once a year. And here comes Mark with his lopper. And he's just started lopping branches left and right. I mean, cutting this one down, cutting that one back. All of a sudden, there's just a, he, I mean, he's lopping and chopping. I mean, it's just, he's going crazy. And then guess what? Boys come clean it up. 
I'm like, when do we get to do some lopping? But see, it's the Lord's job in our life to cut and prune us back like we're doing in this series, like we're doing in this message, like the Holy Spirit is wanting to do even like right now, like the Word of God is doing if we'll open up our heart. We sang the song, let the light in. Will we let the light in? Will we let the Lord in? Or will we get defensive? Will we make excuses? Will we stiff arm him? But the catalyst is allowing God to prune us because God wants us to produce fruit for his glory. God wants us to live a flourishing life. See, pruning is painful, but according to Scripture, it's necessary. Nobody wants to be pruned. And by the way, God is not pruning you for punishment. Pruning is not punishment. Pruning is done out of love because he knows there's more that we can do to flourish in life. And he's saying, just let me cut back those areas that are dead or that are not going to produce. And some of you think pruning is punishment, and that's where you've missed it. Jesus walked by a fig tree one time with his disciples, and he went to go look for some fruit. He was wanting a little snack, and, uh, and, and, and there was no fruit on the tree, not, even, not, not, not anything. And the Bible says Jesus cursed that tree. They came back shortly after, and his disciples were amazed. The tree was withered up. But that's not pruning. When God looks at your life, he's never cursing your life. Come on, somebody. God is never cursing you, punishing you. Jesus took all of our punishment on the cross. He already absorbed it all and took all of that pain and punishment. But there is pruning in our lives that God does, and we need to welcome that, and we need to work with God on that. It's painful but it's necessary. Here's the words of Jesus in John 15. I am the true vine, and my Father is the keeper of the vineyard. My Father examines every branch in me and cuts away those who do not bear fruit. He leaves those bearing fruit, listen closely to this, and carefully, carefully prunes them so they will bear more fruit carefully prunes us so we bear more fruit. Jesus says, already you are clean because you have heard my voice. Abide in me and I will abide in you. A branch cannot bear fruit if it is disconnected from the vine and neither will you if you are not connected to me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me and I in you, you will bear great fruit. Without me, you will accomplish nothing. Your abundant growth and your faithfulness as my followers will bring glory to the Father. Wow. So maybe today, the Lord's pruning an area of your life. Maybe during this series, we actually, when's the last time we ever prayed, Lord, prune me? I don't know about you, I haven't prayed that prayer a whole lot. Maybe it's a good time to throw that one out there. Lord, I am open to, to your pruning, to those areas in my life that are dead, that are not producing any glory for you, that are holding me back, that are paralyzing my potential. Lord, would you just, would you prune that? 
And you know what's going to happen when you prune, especially like a rose bush, man, you cut that thing back, it does not look good, does it? It's like, whoa, what happened to that thing? It's kind of like a kid with a bad haircut. Whoa, what happened? But what happens in the next 90 days? Things start to bloom. What happens six months later? Full bloom. Looks like a completely different situation. That's what God's pruning will do in our life. It will produce much fruit. Let me close by just sharing the scripture with you and then let's pray. Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8. This is absolutely my hope, my prayer, my desire for you that this scripture would actually represent your life, my life, all of our lives would represent our church. It says this, blessed are those who trust in the Lord. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach down deep into water. Such trees are not bothered by heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they go right on producing delicious fruit. That regardless of what's going on in the world, spiritually, whether the climate of what's happening in our modern day, that even if there's a drought that's out there, our roots are so deep and so well connected to the water, the life-giving water of Christ, that our leaves stay green and healthy, that we continue to grow and flourish, and that we keep on producing day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, not just fruit, but delicious fruit. That our lives are delicious to those around us. I don't know about you, but I'm on board for some of that. I want that kind of life. Well, that's not the life of a procrastinator. That's not the life of someone who's indecisive and fearful and anxious and double-minded and selfish. No, that's the life of someone who's following Christ with sincerity and honesty and humility and a hunger in their heart and a passion and a purpose that we're following Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this great group of people. What an honor it is to be here with them, to open up your word, to ask your spirit to breathe on us today. Lord, we just want to pray this prayer, and you might just want to whisper this under your breath. Lord, would you prune me? Lord, would you prune those areas of my life that are not producing And if we'd be honest, we already know what those are. Lord, And we say they're not off limits anymore. Would you just get in there and would you just trim them back? And even though they might not, it might not feel good, it might be painful, it might not be what we really think, you know, we want, we need it, Lord, and we need you, Lord. Because God, we wanna be like those trees where our roots grow deep and run so deep into your presence into your words, into your spirit, into the life of Christ, that regardless of what happens in this world, Lord, we're drawing our nourishment and our strength from you. You're life-giving and we are receiving. You are the vine, we are the branches. We are reliant on you. Without you, we can do nothing, but in you, we can go on producing amazing fruit, all for your glory, all for your honor. With heads bowed and eyes closed for just a minute, If you're here today, I want to give you an opportunity.
Don't procrastinate the greatest decision of your life to follow Christ, to receive Christ. It's in him that we have forgiveness of sins, only through Jesus. Other world religions will tell you this is the way, this is the way, this is what you can do. But Jesus said, no, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And nobody can get to the Father unless they go through me. And Jesus did not procrastinate the cross. He humbled himself, became a servant. He took on the cross. He conquered the cross. He conquered death. He conquered sin. He conquered the grave. He conquered the devil. And he's given us the victory. That's called salvation. And friends, he is so worth it. Oh, is Jesus worth it? So today, would you give your life to him? Or maybe you've kind of done your own thing and you've run away from God. Man, run back to him. Please, turn around. Come back to those open arms. He loves you with deep love, and he takes you back. He's not mad at you. He misses you. And today is the day of salvation. Don't procrastinate this moment to get right with God, to receive his love, his grace. With no one looking around, say, Scott, I need to give my life to Christ, or I need to reconnect with Christ. Would would you lift up your hand real quick? Thank you. God bless you. So proud of you. Thank you. Thanks. Awesome. I see you back there. I see you guys. Thank you. Wow. Thanks. I see you. You guys can put your hands down. I'm so proud of you. That's awesome. Tons of hands. Anybody else say, that's me? Just don't want to pass this moment up. That's great. God bless you. Glad we waited. Hey, let's pray this prayer. Let's all say this. Would you say this simple prayer with me? Say it after me. Say, God, I believe you sent Jesus to die for me. I'm a sinner, and I need salvation. God, I receive your love and your grace and your forgiveness. Save me, Lord, and set me free. I say goodbye to the old life, and I say hello to the new life. My past is gone, and my future starts now. Help me to live with purpose and passion. I am not a procrastinator. I'm loving you, Lord, and I am obeying you. And use me to reach others all for your glory. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Amen. Awesome. God bless you guys.